Amen. What's happening, Collide City Church? Man, it's so good to be with you here today. And um, man, I love the presence of God. There's nothing like the presence of God. And I love the house of the Lord. And uh, I love your pastor. I love the team. I, I love the leaders here at the house. And um, but your pastor is amazing. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've once heard heard it said like this, that life just simply isn't fair. And that's true when it comes to skills and giftings and the talents and abilities. Your pastor is gifted. Not only does he still have hair, and I'm a bit jealous, but um, he is a phenomenal preacher. He is a prophet of the Most High God. The brother can sing a song, too. He can belt it out and flow. And he speaks Spanish, Lord Jesus. And he's a chef because I see him posting on social media a variety of different, like, deliciousness that he cooks up. And uh, so... I'm just honored to be his friend, and I'm honored to be a part of what God is doing in this house. I feel right at home today. Come on, somebody. I love being here with the family, and um, I'm excited to share a word with you today. So right where you're at, wherever you're watching from, whether it's your living room, your backyard, maybe the car, I don't know where you're watching from. I believe that God has something for you, but here's the deal, though. If you know me, I like to interact with some folks, so praise God for technology. And I'd love to hear shout outs here and there. If you agree with whatever I said, just say amen or go ahead, preacher, or holla at your boy, whatever. Actually, grab your virtual hanky and wave it at me from wherever you're at. But if you disagree with something I said, just pray for me. It's a work in progress. And uh, God, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, he's at work in my life. But today, I believe that God has a word for you. He wants to encourage you. And what a crazy year it's been. Oh, my goodness. And we still got about three months left. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. The Niners lost the Super Bowl. We choked in the fourth quarter. Lord Jesus. My son, he said he had a tummy ache, and I had a tummy ache. And I took some Pepto and some Advil, and about 24 hours later, I was healed. And I did the same for my son. I said, take some Pepto, take some Advil. 24 hours later, he was still hurting. So I said, take some more Pepto, some more Advil, and a hot, hot bath. And he still was hurting. And he kept on hurting for about two days. By the third day, my wife is like, baby, I, I want to be supportive, but should we take him to the doctors? Maybe just to check. And I'm like, nah, it's a waste of time. We can Google the symptoms, and we'll just keep on praying for him and giving him some more Pepto, Advil, and hot baths. By the fourth day, my wife said, baby, I, I love you, I respect you, but we got to go to Kaiser. So I'm like, all right, let's go. So we went on a date. We get there, we do the exams. He had a burst appendix. <laughs> Lord Jesus. And I just felt like the scum of the earth. What kind of dad am I? My poor child was suffering. And they had to rush him to surgery. And five days after he was discharged, came home. I'm like, man, could it get any worse? And then all of a sudden, we hear about something called COVID-19. And the whole world was just kind of like shut down. It changed our, our way of thinking. It changed our way of talking. It changed our way of living. First, I heard that the mayor in San Francisco was going to do something called shelter in place. I'm like, that sounds amazing. We got so, much, so many homeless people all throughout the city. We're gonna provide shelter to everyone. That's great. Little did I know that it was just an extended timeout for all of us. We were all stuck. And uh, all of a sudden, we're all wearing masks. There's a whole generation of kids that are being raised, and their ears are going to be hanging out like this. And they'll be known, oh, you were in 2020. <laughs> and uh, we're changing the way we communicate. Terms like coronavirus. 
When I heard that the first time, I thought a bunch of college kids went to Mexico and got drunk, came back with some kind of infection, the coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, social distancing, oh snap. I was doing social distancing a long time ago. When people don't like what I say, I just unfriend them. It's social distancing, right? And uh, I, mean, I mean, we could go on and on and on about all the different things that we've experienced and that uh, we've been stretched and we all have the stretch marks to prove it now, right? But God is good. In the midst of all this craziness, God continues to do amazing things. And I don't know what the future holds necessarily, but I do know who holds our future. God's got this for sure. He's got great things in store for us, but hashtag the struggle is real. It's been a tough season. And for those of us who live in California, particularly in the Bay Area, it's like I told our worship team, like, don't sing that one song. There's another in the fire. Because <laughs> we had fires in the North Bay, the East Bay, the South Bay. I had pastor friends of mine, literally, whose house burnt down up in Vacaville. And down in, in Santa Clara, going south a little bit, another pastor friend of mine, he lost his house, burnt, burnt by the fires down in the South Bay. It's been a crazy, crazy season. And then this year, we had a fire tornado in Tahoe. Come on, somebody. And then what happens is, you know, when all of this is going on and we've got the elections and we got social uh, uh, unrest all throughout, look, people started bombarding my email, my DMing me, sending me all kinds of messages saying, hey, the apocalypse is upon us. The end is near. And it's like, man, what are we going to do? Can I just let you know, the end is actually not near. Jesus said he is coming back. But he did say that he was going to come back to a church that was spotless and wrinkle free. And if you look around, watch social media posts, you're gonna find out that the church is not united. We still got issues. There's still some work that the Holy Spirit needs to do to help us. So I don't think that Jesus is coming back by Thanksgiving. I think it's gonna be a minute longer. But I wanna speak a word to you today to encourage you. Maybe you've been going through some extended difficult times. Um, there's a word for all of us that I believe will encourage you. I've been there. I experienced some really difficult times this year, but God has continued to reveal his goodness and his grace to us. So I want you to go with me to uh, Psalm chapter 23, perhaps one of the, the more famous Psalms in the book of Psalms. And Psalm 23, it's a beautiful passage. It's short, just a few verses. And you have David here who's writing. He is he's a shepherd. He's familiar with the terminologies. He's using terms that, that are familiar to him. And he's describing his relationship with God. He's describing his relationship as though he is sheep and God is the shepherd. And he talks about this connection and this dependency that he has upon his God. So check it out. It says, it says like this. It says, David talking, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I want. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Let me just to take, take a quick little time out before I wrap up this, this psalm right here. Your pastor was preaching about praise and worship. The lifestyle of worship. We're all called to be worshipers. Worship is way more than just a song. It's way more than just a playlist that we sing along to. Worship is a lifestyle. It's the greatest calling that we all have. When you think of worship in the Old Testament particularly, you would think likely of David, who was a shepherd, he was a warrior, he was a king, but he was also a worshiper. 
Many of the psalms that, that we, we read today, someone has put melody and song to it, and therefore we sing songs and psalms that David wrote. He's a worshiper. And when we think of this passage right here, I want you to notice, notice how it's structured. As he's talking about God, his shepherd, a good shepherd, and he's referring to himself like a sheep, a metaphor of, man, I'm completely dependent upon my shepherd. He's talking, and for the first few verses, if this were a song, the first part of the song would be more praise because it's talking about God, but it's not, not talking to God directly, necessarily. He's describing how God is, and like in third person, the Lord is my shepherd. And then all of a sudden, he's thinking about the good moments, like, God, you bring me to some green meadows and peaceful places, and you're so good. And, and then all of a sudden, when he begins to think about those dark valleys that he has navigated through, all of a sudden it causes him to pivot just a little bit and he no longer starts or continues to speak about God, but then all of a sudden he goes vertical and he begins to speak to God. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden it's like, I'll fear no evil. Why God? Because your rod and your staff, you're there with me, you're helping me, you're encouraging me, you're protecting me. And then all of a sudden, his focus is not just looking at circumstances. His gaze and his focus is upon the shepherd. That's the beauty. So the first part of the psalm would be praise. The second part of the psalm would be more worship, more intimate, more personal. It's a package deal. I love to praise the Lord. We, we praise our way through uh, adversity. We praise our way through difficult times. We're called to be those who worship in spirit and in truth. And you have here the psalmist writing, and I want you to also notice this if you think about it. He's referring to the shepherd, he's speaking of God, he says, you lead me to green meadows, green pastures, beautiful places, still waters. God takes us to green meadows and he brings us through dark valleys. If you think about it, it doesn't say that when I wander off and I kind of like backslide and I lose my focus and I drift, from my relationship with God and I don't hang out with the people of God and I find myself in trouble, I'm still not afraid. Why? Because God's there with me. That's not what he's saying. What he implies is that when God allows me to go through the valleys, meaning that he's the one who's actually guiding me through these valleys because uh, there's a destiny on the other side of the valley for me, it doesn't mean that David or us, in, in this case, that we've drifted from God, but he's saying God allowed me and, and, and guided me through difficult times. Oftentimes we think, why is it that all these troublesome, troublesome times are happening? Why am I going through like this funk right now? Why would God allow? Can I tell you that sometimes God is the one who navigates us through these difficult, challenging times. Why? Because he wants to do something in our lives. He wants us to experience something that will produce a greater dependency within us for him. So rather than praying away, let's say, the global pandemic, Maybe we should be praying, God, what is it you want to accomplish in and through my life through this pandemic? I don't want to forfeit and I don't want to miss out on the blessings that God has actually prepared through these testings and these trials that we're going through. Let me continue with the psalm because he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows 
with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Now, let me, let me, let me just kind of like chop it up with you for a few moments here. Let's, let's keep it real, all right? This is, a, this is a, a church moment. How many of you know that church is not a building? It's not an event. We are the church. And we're going to talk today. And I want you to interact with me, with me just a little bit. You know, use whatever emoji to agree, hands lifted up or whatever. But I want you, let's keep it real, all right? If someone ever told you that, hey, if you give your life to Jesus, man, it's going to be a cakewalk from here to heaven. Woo! It's going to be good. It's going to be easy. They were lying to you. Maybe they meant well, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because giving your life to Jesus does not mean that all of a sudden from now to heaven it's just going to be a cakewalk. No, it means that in difficult times and in hellish times, Jesus is there with you. It doesn't mean that he pulls you out of those difficult moments. It just simply means that now he's along for the ride. And he's the one in control. And he's the one that's guiding you. So no one said that it was going to be easy. But tough things do happen. Maybe you've asked yourself the question before. Why is it that bad things happen to good people? God, I, I was serving you. I've been faithfully watching service online in my PJs. <laughs> I brushed my teeth this morning. I got good breath as I watched the service. Lord, I've been tithing. I've been sending love offerings. I've been singing even when there's no one, no one around me to watch. I've even raised my hands. God, why is it that you allow these difficult things to happen in my life, in our lives? God, I thought we had the hookup. Your word says that I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Favor is my portion. Why is it that I'm going through hell right now? <laughs> why does God allow dark valleys to come our way? If we were to explore this in the New Testament, James, I hate this chapter, by the way. I hate these first few verses of James chapter 1. I mean, I love it, but I hate it. But I kind of love it and hate it. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's complicated. It's a love-hate relationship because James says it like this. Consider it pure joy, folks, when you experience troubles or trials or tests of many kinds. Not just a test, but many different kinds of tests. He said, consider it pure joy. Why? Because God is using those things to grow you, to mature you, to help you, so that you'll become the full individual that God has called you to be, more and more like Jesus. You see, through these testings, through these difficult times, this is when we actually grow. If we had it easy all the time, chances are we would not mature, we would not grow. So God allows these difficult moments to come our way, but it isn't easy. It was just a few weeks back, I, um, I had one of those days. You know, like that song, so you had a bad day, right? Turn it around, I forgot the lyrics. <laughs> but it's like there's a song, like, so you had a bad day? I had a couple bad days in recent months. And uh, in a span of about 24 hours, I've got, I, I received probably about 15 to 20 messages, text messages, emails, DMs, whatever, a variety of different messages from, hey, pastor, pray for me. My spouse left me. That ain't good. Pastor, pray for us. I just got laid off. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not sure how we're going to pay the bills. 
minutes later, Pastor, would you pray for us? Our oldest son left the family, left the home, moved in with his girl. These are godly people. And they're like, what just happened? And it's like, dude, like, I'm afraid to even open my messages. Like, I don't, I don't even want to look at no more. And all of a sudden, the phone, like, there's another message. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Hey, Pastor, I just want to thank you for your time and loving our family. And I just wanted to inform you. I hate those messages. I just wanted to inform you that our family is moving out of state because uh, we found a, a bigger house, a better job, and the cost of living in the barrier is so expensive. So just want to let you know, deuces, we're out. And I'm like, I feel like, man, hey, babe, would you bring out the butter because the loaf has been fully baked and served? <laughs> it's like that decision has been made and we were never included in it. Here's just a little, little practical help. The Bible says that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. And if God has planted you at Collide City Church and your roots are planted in the house of God and you're submitted to your pastor and to the leaders of the house, church is not just a, like a restaurant where you go and consume and you pay the bill, your tithe, Ooh, I gotta go. No, it's a family, it's a covenant, it's a connection. God is the one, the Bible says, that places the solitary in family. If God, by divine orchestration, has planted you in the family, listen, if you have some radical decisions that you're considering, and, and, and hashtag the struggle is real, cost of living in the Bay Area is expensive, we get that. Wisdom would be, though, include your pastors and leaders in your decision making. Come on, somebody, include them. Listen to their counsel. There are times when people hit me up and say, Pastor, we're feeling this. We want to submit this to you. I go, man, it pains me to say goodbye, but I think it's the right move. I feel like God is in the midst of this, uh, in the midst of this and he wants to help you. There are other times when people hit me up. I go, listen, I know the opportunity sounds amazing, but I'm not sure that the timing is right. Can we pray about this together? Anyways, back to the messages. I had one of those long days. Come on, somebody. Virtual Hank is going like this right now. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Preach it, preach it. <laughs> Continue to open these messages, and then I get this message. Pastor, would you pray for my husband? He's been diagnosed with leukemia. Someone else, Pastor, would you pray for our worship leader, one of our sister churches, part of our network? Pastor, would you pray and have your team pray for us? Our worship leader, she's been rushed to the hospital uh, on a respirator, and like, we don't know if it's COVID, what is? A day and a half later, she's dead. Bam, just like this. And I continue to get message after message after message. It's like, I, I'm having a really tough little stretch right now. God, I'm praying, I believe that you're still good. I know you're still in control. But my gosh, this is like no bueno at all. This is not fun. Job chapter 10, verse 1. Look at what Job says. He's having a tough season. He's having more than a bad day. He's going through a tough little stretch. And he says, I am disgusted with my life. <laughs> the way I would say it, if it were the PJJ version, it would be my life sucks right now. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's like my life just sucks. This is not fun. It's not enjoyable. Why is this happening? And we often think to ourselves, like, God, I thought we were good. Lord, did I pull a Jonah all of a sudden? Did I zig when I should have zagged? Is there sin in my life? Did I post something stupid on social media now? It's like all of a sudden fire is coming against me. Why is it that I'm going through this? Can I tell you, my friend, my brother, my sister, if you are sinning, perhaps you are receiving some consequences because of that, right? 
But oftentimes, we're, we're still following after God, we're pursuing the things of God, and yet all of a sudden, whoosh, we find ourselves in difficult times, dark valleys. And we begin to then question like, man, what's going on? Did I do something wrong? And then this is where it gets scary. God, did you, did you change your mind? And then the enemy starts bombarding our minds with questions like, did, did God really say those things over you? Did he really prophesy those things? Did he really declare those things over you? Did you miss it? And all of a sudden we find ourselves just kind of spinning. We find ourselves feeling a bit overwhelmed. Let me, let me kind of elaborate just for a few moments a little bit more on the life of Job. Some of you are kind of new to this whole journey of faith and you've been scrolling through the Bible and version Bible and you've been reading like these different like, wow, look at the name of this place. It's called Psalms. That P on the Psalms is silent. It's just Psalms. The book right before, it's not Job, it's Job. I, I know it's spelled like Job. It should have an E at the end, but it's pronounced Job. Job, when you read the book of Job in the Bible, it's fascinating actually. There's like 42 chapters. The first two chapters are incredibly intriguing, at least to me. Because apparently, the angels have to check in with God. At least in this setting right here, the, the angels, including the fallen angels, have to check in. So when you read Job chapter 1, you find that Satan is roaming. He's just kind of like doing his thing, wandering and doing whatever Satan does. And it says one day he shows up and he appears before God. And God's like, hey, what's up, Lou? You're like, Lou? Yeah, Lucifer. What's up, Lou? What's going on? What you been up to lately? I just harassing people, doing what I do. <laughs> I go out there to kill, steal, and destroy. You know me. <laughs> and uh, so all of a sudden, there's this intriguing exchange because God knows what, what's going on. Listen, God is sovereign. He knows everything. Did you know that God never had one idea? Because to have an idea implies that someone didn't know something up until that moment. Then all of a sudden, ah, it, come, it came to me. God already knew everything. He knows every scenario, every possible option in the playbook. <laughs> so Satan shows up. God already knows what's going on. And they're talking. They're chopping it up. And then all of a sudden, God's like, hey, but have you considered my boy Job? Dude's dope. He's just amazing. Great guy. He loves me. He's like, you can't mess with this dude because he loves me so much. And Satan's like, yeah, of course he loves you because you're always good to him. He never experiences bad things. It's like he's incredibly prosperous. It's like he's like an entrepreneur. He owns like one, two, three, four different businesses. He's got a bunch of kids, like 10 kids. You know, it's like, man, this dude is like, he's got it going on. Of course he's going to worship you. And God's like, yeah, but don't you even notice that he builds me an altar even when others aren't there to worship with him? He's got all those convenient things. And even when it's, quote, inconvenient, he still chooses to worship me because he loves me. And, 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 and the devil continues to, to talk to God like, yeah, but he only does that because you've prospered him. God says, all right, I'll tell you what. Listen, the idea didn't come from Satan. God says, all right, I'm going to give you permission to harass him a little bit. You can't touch him personally, but you can touch whatever belongs to him. And when you read Job chapter 1, whoo, it's like stock market crash that day. Job lost all of his businesses all in one day. His kids, they were all hanging out together, and boom, this catastrophe happened. It's like, man, the, the house just collapsed upon them all. They all died. That's a tough day. And yet, Job didn't turn against God. He was confused. I'm sure he was overwhelmed. 
You go to Job chapter 2, Lucifer shows up. What's going on, Lou? What's happening? What's the latest? <laughs> and, and, and how about my son, Job? My boy. He goes, well, yeah, it's true. I mean, he continues to worship you, but um, you've blessed him, but you didn't allow me to actually inflict pain on him personally. He experienced emotional pain, but not physical pain. I guarantee you, God, the devil said, that if you allow me to just torment him personally, up close and personal, he won't worship you. And God's like, thank you for bringing that up because I have a different opinion. Go ahead and do what you need to do. You just can't take his life. Like that's trippy. God in his sovereignty and in his goodness allowed Satan to go and torment Job a little bit more. So when you read chapter two, all of a sudden it's like Job develops like this, this condition which is horrific. Boils and blisters all throughout his body. He would grab some pieces of broken clay pots and the tile, he would scrape off the pus. It was nasty. The stench, the smell. It's like he ripped his clothes and he's just sitting there on ashes, just, ah, I am miserable. His own honey, his wife shows up. Oh, babe, oh my gosh, what is that? Babe, that's you. <laughs> and he's just nasty. And, and to the point where when you read it, she actually says, babe, I feel so bad for you. Why don't you just curse, curse God and die, baby? It's just like, this is horrible. Even his wife has turned on him. So here he is. He's trying to guard his heart. He's trying to guard his conviction and his love for God. And even his best friend is saying, turn on God. Speaking of friends, he's got like three amigos, los tres amigos that show up. And they start chatting with him. And they're like, dude. You've been looking at porn, haven't you? You've been sinning. You've been doing something wrong. Like, how? why is this all happening to you, bruh? And all of us said, isn't, isn't it amazing how oftentimes when bad things happen to good people, we assume that there is like skeletons in the closet, that there's some compromise in people's lives. Like, ah, if it wasn't you, it was your daddy. Generational stuff. That's why you're going through all this. Even random strangers walk by like, oh, bro, you're cursed, man. You're a sinner. Haters are going to hate, always. And through the book of Job, you see this exchange. And all of a sudden, there's like this dialogue between Job and God. Job says a lot of stuff and crickets. God doesn't say a thing. He's just listening. Have you ever had one of those prayer, prayer moments? You're praying to God. You're desperate. God, 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 God. Where are you, are you, are you, are you? It's like, man, your prayers, they're going nowhere. Are you there, 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 there? God, why don't you answer my prayers? I thought I was your favorite. The preacher, Pastor Dell, said that you got my picture on your refrigerator. I thought favor was my portion. Why don't you talk to me, God? And oftentimes it feels as though God is distant from us. That's a test as well. Eventually in his story, we see that God then would begin to interact with him. He's asking God why, and yet God doesn't answer the question. He's like, hey, Joe, bruh, were you there when I created the worlds? Were you there? Who, who do you think you are, bruh? And what's trippy is that at some point, Job comes to this realization, you know what? 
I don't need an answer to my question. I don't need the answer to my why. I'm just choosing to still worship God. Why? Because he's still worthy whether I have the answers or not. And can I tell you, too many times the enemy comes to steal your worship. He comes to bring distractions. He comes to bring conditions. If God does this for me, then I will lift up holy hands. If I have all these open doors, then I will do this for God. And we find ourselves negotiating our love and our passion with God based on circumstances. Job is going through hell and he comes to this realization even if I don't get the answers my God is still worthy to be praised and I will not speak an evil word against him and when he comes to this realization rather than continuing to bang on that door asking for the answers he shifts gears and he begins to pray for his friends it's trippy because now he's no longer asking for himself but he's interceding for others and then all of a sudden, whoo, everything lifts, which I find to be a fascinating key for all of us. Too many times we're consumed with our own issues, with our own situations, our struggles. And yes, the Bible says, make your petitions known to God. There's, a, there's, there's an appropriate way of doing that. But oftentimes we find ourselves so consumed trying to get answers for ourselves. And God's like, it's not about you. I've allowed you the privilege of partnering with me to be a catalyst of change for others. And as you make yourself available and as you're serving others and praying for others and blessing others, blessings will be poured in and through you. Listen, if, if blessings can be passed through you, God won't pour them into you. When all of a sudden Joe began to pray for his friends, that infirmity lifted and all of a sudden he was healed. And as you continue to read right at the end, of the book of Job, all of a sudden God, it says that he restored his fortune. He restored and apparently his wife, she died along the way. I don't know what happened, but that girl, she bounced. But God gave Job another wife, a beautiful wife. Gave him 10 more kids. Three, three girls, seven boys. And it says that the three daughters were the most beautiful girls in that entire region. Blessings. Not only did he have new businesses and new endeavors, but all of a sudden his businesses were even more prosperous than the previous ones. God restored whatever the enemy had attempted to steal from him. God restored and brought them some more. That's the kind of God that we serve. And we think about people like Job and we go, man, that dude was such a miserable guy. When I think of some of the most prosperous people in scripture, Job would actually be one of them. As we study his life and he went through his global pandemic for a season. <laughs> we don't know how long his uh, trials or struggles were. We know that it would have been probably several days, several weeks, perhaps months. Some scholars say maybe even a year. But he lived like 140 years. Even if he had struggled and, and, and experienced this misery for 14 years, a tithe of the 140, he still would have been one of the most prosperous dudes recorded in scripture. It's amazing how oftentimes we feel like, man, this moment, this season is just so brutal. This season does not have to define you. You are going through the dark valley, but you're not called to camp there. You are going through the difficult season right now, but you're not called to live there. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're walking. You're not living there. You're going to get to the other side, my brother. You're going to get to the other side, my sister. God's at work on your behalf. And he's allowing these things perhaps to happen. And I'm not implying or saying that COVID came from God. 
We're not, we're not saying that e there is no evil that comes from God, but in his sovereignty, in his goodness, he's, he's omnipotent, omniscient. He knows all things. He's everywhere at the same time. He sees the affairs of man. He understands everything that's going on and he allows those things to, to take place so that he can fulfill his purpose. In the midst of whatever you're going through, can I remind you, God knows exactly where you're at. He still knows your name. He knows your past, your present, your future, and he's working all things together for your good. In the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the pressure, oftentimes we're like, ah, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore, God. And God's like, I know. <laughs> Here's another verse that I, I find encouragement from. Paul says to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. He says, God will not test us beyond what we can bear, but he'll provide a way for us to stand up, if you will, under these pressures. When we come to the end of ourselves, we're like, God, I can't take another step. Oh, God, I can't do this. God's like, good, I'm, I'm glad that you're aware of it now because you were doing things on your own, on your own strength, out of your own abilities, and you've come to the recognition and the realization that you, you need me. God allows these difficult moments to come to bring us to our knees. And that's one of the best places we could be. Paul says it like this also that in our weakness, we are made strong. God's grace is sufficient for us. See, in difficult times like this, when we're like, God, right now I'm just overwhelmed. The only thing that's required is just turn to him. God, I don't get this, but I trust you, God. I surrender fully to you, God. I know you're working all things. I don't understand why or even how it's gonna happen, but I trust your character. I trust your track record. You've never failed me yet, God, and I, I'm sure you're not about to start now, God, so I trust you. And in our pain and with our tears, God then continues to do something beautiful in us. He continues to raise us up. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. But God is working it. Come on, somebody type right there in your chat box. God is working it. He's working it real good. It's not necessarily comfortable, but he's working it. I want you to notice a couple verses from Job because I want to I show you how, how this thing builds. Look at what happens in Job 1. I'll just build for a few verses. It says this. One day, Job's sons and daughters, they were feasting at the oldest brother's house. A messenger arrived at Job's home with these news. With this news, he says, your oxen they were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the, the, the Sabians raided us and they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another text message arrived. Another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with the news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, he's like, dude, can it get any worse? More bad news and more bad news. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters, they were feasting in their older brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. And the house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and he tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he shaved his head. And he fell to the ground to worship. You know you're a worshiper when you have a shaved head. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, 
and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in all this, verse 22, it says, in all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Wow. That's a powerful, powerful lesson that we should all learn. In the midst of all the pain and all the confusion and all the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, we should never point our bony fingers at God. We should never blame him for the calamity or the pain or the discomfort. Why? He's not the author of that. The devil, he is the accuser. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that wants to shift blame. He's the one that wants to accuse. But let's learn from the life of Job, a man who went through hell and yet he guarded his heart and he did not blame God for that. I don't know about you, but I've had a few moments where through the last season, it's like, God, I, uh, I know you're good. Intellectually, I know you're good. Emotionally, right now, I'm a little upset. I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I, I know that you don't owe me, but like for real, God, like, like God, I, I haven't cut corners that I'm aware of. I, I haven't been compromising th- that I'm aware of. I haven't been sinning deliberately. Why is it that we're going through all of this? Maybe you've had some of those thoughts or prayers in your own mind. Maybe you've entertained some of those questions like, man, why is it that these other people got married, but I'm still kind of like here in this place? I feel a little alone. I'm quarantined, but I don't have a roommate. I don't have a friend. I don't have a family to hang with. And you find yourself going, God, I thought I, I thought I gave you my life and I thought there were great things coming my way, but why is it that I'm going through this hell? Through all of that, Job's response to adversity was worship. Because worship is not just something you sing when all of us are singing a song together. Worship is not something that we do when life is just uh, convenient. When the Bible talks about offering a sacrifice of praise, Notice how it doesn't say give God praise. It says give him a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice has pain. It costs you something. If there's no pain in the sacrifice, it ain't sacrifice. David screwed up a few times. When we study his life through scripture, he made a few boneheaded moves. Real talk. I mean, we we talk about him being a worshiper. He's phenomenal. Popular. Warrior, courageous, a lot of amazing attributes. But then he had some, he, he had some moments where like, bruh, like he allowed things to get to his head, for instance. Like, man, like, I guess I am all that in a bag of chips. Look at me. Look, look at our army. Like, let's do a census. Let's count. Woo. Like, how many people really are in our church? Oh, snap. Did I say that? How? And he allowed pride to kind of take over. And you find this passage where God's like, bro, that's, that's not cool. I've blessed you, but now, now, now you're actually thinking that it was, it was because of you that you're blessed? And God gave him some options, like, hey, it's like my dad when I was young, when I make a mistake. All right, you can be grounded for like a month. You can get spanked. Back in the 70s, he used to get whooped. <laughs> Nowadays, CPS is like, <laughs> But back in the day, someone called the belt. There's the belt of truth and the belt of correction. 
and discipline. <laughs> Pick your poison. <laughs> and um, David has this option. And he, ultimately, he ends up choosing to offer God's sacrifice. And he's at this one. He's not at his hometown. He's, he's further away. And he's loved by the people. He's popular. And um, this one farmer guy, he's like, David, man, you're amazing. You're, you're, you're amazing. Why don't you take my, my, my sheep, take, take whatever you want and offer whatever you need to God as your sacrifice. You can have it all. And David's like, no, 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 I will buy it. Whatever I need, I will buy all this. Why? Because I can't give God something that doesn't cost me anything. When it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to worship, there is an investment. There is a commitment. There is a cost that comes with it. And can I tell you that during, the, during this pandemic, this global pandemic, I actually think that in many ways, though it didn't originate from God, it's actually God's answers to many of our prayers. Because we're saying, God, would you bring us closer to you? God, would you draw us closer to your presence? God, would you cause us to be more dependent upon you? I literally prayed. God, would you send us beyond the four walls? And God's like, all right, now you can't go back in for at least seven months. No assembly in person. But can I say that God is actually using this global pandemic to cause the church to no longer be relying upon itself or herself, but to be dependent upon God. I am not building a church. Though I'm a lead pastor, your pastor isn't building this church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're just serving him. We're along for the ride. He is building something that is eternal. And when it comes to this season that the whole world around us is experiencing, it's causing the church to go back to its roots, causing us to go back to our foundations, causing us to truly be, hey, you know what? Church is not about a building. It's about us. It's about calling upon the name of the Lord. It's about building him an altar and worshiping him. That's who we are. And it's causing our vision to be refocused. God is bringing clarity to his people. So though it's uncomfortable, this is a great answer to prayer. Keeping the main thing the main thing. God is causing us to truly be disciples of Jesus, not just church attenders. That'll preach. We were not called to make Christians. We were not called to just have people show up to church. The commission is we're called to make disciples. And when it comes to disciples, disciples carry something. Jesus says, hey, if you want to be my disciples, you got you to pick up your cross and you got to follow me. You got to choose every day to pick up that cross and follow me. The cross is a picture of death. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to hurt you. It's going to cost you. It's not going to be comfortable. But that is the call of the disciples. When it comes to these valleys, this is a great opportunity for us to allow our hearts to be reset, our vision to be refocused. All of a sudden we're reminded, God, we need you. And all these other things, they just don't really matter. So let me show you two thoughts very quickly. I like to debunk two myths and using even the life of Job as the example. Here's two myths that I would love to encourage you to just kind of like go, huh, that's a good point, PJJ. Here's the first myth. And that would be this, that the godly life has no suffering. That's a myth. You can love God with all of your heart and still have difficult seasons, as we all know. Job experienced an extended period of time where things were tough. Here's the other myth. On the other hand, we go from one extreme 
to the other, that the godly life has no prosperity. There was a whole doctrine years ago that, hey, if you're a Christ follower, you can't be rich. By the way, prosperity is way more than finances, way more. When you have relationships, true friends, that, that's better than riches. The Bible says that a good name is better than riches. When you have connections, divine connections, they're like, dude, money can't buy that. When you've got a life-giving community, a church that you can be a part of, where you can just bury your soul and be honest and grow in faith, that's priceless. Prosperity is way more than finances. But let me just tell you this. When it comes to the Christian walk, God, God can choose to bless people, and he does. He blesses us all the time. And even with finances, God wants to bless us. That's why Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why? Because there's a joy in giving. It's actually more enjoyable to give than it is to receive. So when God wants to prosper us, let's say even financially, don't rob God of that, of that privilege that he has. If he chooses to bless you, then just be thankful. God, thank you. May I be a conduit of your blessings. Lord, pour in and through me. Lord, it's fun to receive, but I also want to give out two myths and then I'm going to share these brief thoughts these are lessons that I learned a couple two minutes here let me show you lessons that I've learned from Job's life like dude you know wisdom comes from experience smart wisdom comes from other people's experiences you're welcome five lessons there are many other lessons but five very quick ones when it comes to life everything that we have is a gift from God Everything that we have, everything that we experience is a gift from God. Second lesson would be this. God doesn't owe us anything, including answers. God doesn't owe us a thing. Number three, it's okay to cry out to God for help. Even tough guys, we cry out to God. Come on, somebody. It's okay to cry out to God. God! Number four, sometimes, not always, but sometimes God is silent. You're praying crickets God in his infinite wisdom he knows what we can handle and oftentimes he'll allow us to just keep pursuing him if he fed us the answer every time we prayed oftentimes I think we would take it lightly we would not appreciate it finally the fifth lesson would be God's future for us is good but he never said that it would be easy he didn't say it would be easy the cool thing though the Bible says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Praise God for the Holy Spirit that was sent to us by Jesus. A friend that helps us through difficult times. My brother, my sister, though you might be going through a tough stretch, can I remember? There is a friend that is there with you. There is another in your fire. There is another one who sees you. He knows you. He knows your circumstances. He knows your story. And he wants to help you. He may not cause the storm to go away today or even tomorrow, but in the midst of these stretching times, he's going to help you. Psalm 30 verse 5, it says, His anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them that will last forever. And finally, Romans 8:28, one of my favorite verses in scripture, it says this, and we know, come on somebody, we know, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
God is working all things together for our good. God, by divine orchestration, is moving the pieces of the puzzle around. And though you may not understand why, and though you might feel like your head is spinning, and though you're like, man, when is this going to end? Understand that a good God who is a perfect God has a perfect will for your life, and he's going to lead you in righteousness for his name's sake. It's a setup. God wants you to succeed, and he's going to help you. So don't pray away the storms, just pray for courage. Don't pray away the adversity, just say, God, give me faith. Don't pray away the problems, just say, God, give me the right heart. I want to respond to you correctly. As we wrap time, this time up, three easy steps for us today, the take home would be this. Action steps one, guard your heart. Through all of this, guard your heart. You can't change necessarily the circumstances around you, but you can control what's going on in your heart. Guard your heart. Number two, don't blame God. Whatever you do, don't blame God. Finally, number three, pray for others. Get the focus off of you and begin to consider, you know what? There's probably somebody else that's going through something even more difficult than I am. Someone probably is experiencing more pain, more aloneness more issues than I am. And as you begin to pray for others, all of a sudden you partner with heaven, virtue begins to flow in and through you. And as you're being a conduit of blessings to others, what you're gonna find is that God is gonna bless you and strengthen you and help you. My friend, as we close things out today, I wanna pray for you today. Two prayers. Maybe you're watching us today and I may not know you, I can't even see you. Not sure how you found us today, but you've tuned in. Perhaps you've been distant from God. Maybe one or two scenarios have played out in your life. Maybe one, you've never given God the opportunity to be the designated driver in your life. But you're watching us right now and you're like, you know what? I need to get right with God. Maybe that's your story. Or perhaps the second scenario, maybe at some point you and God were cool, but life happened. And you found yourself just drifting and you've drifted from God and you know that you're not right with God right now. But something is telling you on the inside, surrender to God. My friend, I may not know you, but God sure does. And I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And if that's you today, if that's your prayer, if that's your heart, if that's a decision that you're making, where you're, wherever you're at, God will hear your prayers. I'm going to lead us out and allow this to be your prayer. It would go something like this. Jesus, I, I need you. So I open my heart. I invite you into my life. Please forgive me, God. Forgive me of all my sins and all my selfish ways. I surrender fully to you. Take the wheel of my life and lead me from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, my friend, can I encourage you? Our team is gonna post a link on how to take your next step of faith. We celebrate you. That's the most important decision that you could possibly make. The chapter, the pages are turning. God is bringing you into a brand new chapter. And we don't want to just wish you good luck. We want to help you. So be sure to connect. And I want to pray for all of the viewers watching right now. And maybe your life hasn't been difficult or maybe it hasn't been incredibly difficult. Either way, we want God's blessings. Allow me to pray this over you. Father, we thank you that you are the author and the finisher. You who began a good work in our lives, you are faithful to complete it. So Father, I speak a blessing over each one watching here today. I think that in the midst of good days, you're good, and in the midst of difficult days, you're still good. Though we walk through the valleys, the dark valleys, God, you are there with us. We're not going through this alone. You are there with us, and you're helping us. God, I pray for the spirit of encouragement 
the spirit of encouragement, the Holy Spirit to find each one here today. My brother, my sister, you've been feeling, maybe you've been feeling a little alone. Allow me to prophesy over you. Maybe you've been feeling just a little empty. But I sense the Holy Spirit even coming to you right now from even that device that you're watching. I sense the love of God going to you. Why? Because he knows you and he cares about you. You're important to God. You're a big deal to him. If you were the only person on this planet, God still would have sent Jesus to die for you. Why? Because he's crazy about you. He loves you. And though you're going through this difficult time, can I tell you right now, you're not in this alone. God is with you and he's going to help you. If you just receive his grace right now, just open your hands. Right where you're at, just, just open your heart. Allow his love to permeate. Allow his love to fill you up. Allow his love to charge your batteries up. This is way more than emotional hype. This is a spiritual thing that is taking place. God, I declare encouragement into every heart. I speak your life. Father, for fo folks and people who've lost their focus, Lord, Lord their, 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 their focus is a bit blurry, a bit hazy right now. God, I speak clarity of vision, clarity of purpose, clarity of destiny right now. I pray that you would come and that you would bring the light of your glory into their dark circumstances and that you would show them away in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you are the lifter of our head. You come to pick us up. Though the righteous fall many times, they get back up. God, I thank you that you're coming to lift us up. So, Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. I speak your blessing over each one here today. And thank you, God, that you're not done with us yet. We give you all the praise. We choose to respond to you with worship and gratitude in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, Collide City Church, thank you for tuning in. Listen, our team loves to pray. So if you have any prayer requests, there's going to be a link that's going to pop up in the chat feature right there. Be sure to connect. Let us know how we can pray for you as we go into this final song. Let us know. Our team would love to pray with you. We're not in this alone. We'd love to partner with you. We love you. Have an awesome afternoon. God bless you. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna sing one more song together as we get ready to leave. But I don't know about you, that was the word that I didn't know that I needed. Uh, and this morning, my heart, I was just, at the end of the message, my eyes were just welling up. This has been a little bit of a, a big emotional week for me. And so hearing this word was such an encouragement. Um, and I know you were encouraged too. One of the things that we believe, and that's our family value here at Collide City Church, is that we believe in being generous. Now, Pastor John John, he's my pastor, and he didn't ask for a dollar to come. He actually thought he was doing it for free. But I had to teach him our culture is to be a blessing and to be a generous. And so for those of you who are visiting, um, this is what we do as a family. Whenever we have a guest speaker, a guest missionary, what we do is uh, at the end of service, we'll receive a second offering. 100% of what goes in this offering will go to Pastor John John, a guest speaker. Collide will never take away from that. We'll all only add to it. I say that because we're going to sing one more worship service, to, uh, one more worship song. And we're going to do two things during this worship song. Some of us are going to receive prayer and ministry right now. And then some of us are going to go and give and, and be a blessing to Pastor John John. Here's how you do that. You just go to the collide.com slash give. And there you'll see an option to give for the special guests. 
please, please do me a favor. If you're going to give in this offering, just go to our website. Normally you would text to give, but on this one, just go to our website, thekalai.com slash give. Choose the option. There's two options, one for general tithes and offerings, and then there's a second one for special guests. Go ahead and choose that second one, and we're going to make sure 100% of this gift will go to bless the man of God, because we were super blessed. I know you were. So join me, and let's, let's give. For those of you who want to receive prayer, you're saying, man, that word touched me and I want to receive prayer there's links going up right now as to where you can go but you can also go to the collide.com slash live there if you gave your heart to the Lord there's a button there that says I gave my heart to Jesus go ahead and click that fill out the form we've got some info there because we want to connect with you and kind of journey with you in this new walk with God but if you're receiving prayer there's a, a, a link there for our church online platform just go ahead and click that and our ministry team is ready to minister to you right now but let's just worship together stick around please let's all leave together as a church but let's sing this song together and worship let's honor the Lord and let's come back and end together let's give with me what can separate us you are for me what can stand against us your love it won't let go I know it won't darkness shadows have no power over me fear is empty Shame has no authority Your love, it won't let go I know it won't I know your thoughts Your plans for me are good I know you hold Future and my hope Your promises never fail Your promises never fail Every word I 
house together, I tell you to stand as we get ready to close. But let's close on this thought. While Pastor John John was preaching, he was just ministering straight to my heart. And there was this thought that came in my head. You remember that famous scripture that Job said? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be his name. And this thought crossed my head as Pastor John John was uh, preaching this morning. The enemy's goal is to challenge the goodness of God in your life. And the thing I love about Job, one of the things, is that he was not going to stay away from this kind of post at place where I don't care what happens. I don't care the situations I go through. I don't care the hell that breaks out. I, my declaration will still be that the Lord is good and his mercies, they endure. And so no matter what, I better stop because I feel a preach, but let me encourage somebody, no matter what you're going through, it may suck and you're allowed to say that it sucks. No need to lie in this house. It sucks, but God doesn't. God is still good in the midst of your pain. And so I want to make that declaration as we end this morning. God, in spite of COVID, the Democrats and the Republicans, you're still good. You've never been any less good than you've ever been, Lord. You've never lost your goodness. You keep getting gooder and gooder, Lord. And so this morning, that word that John John, Pastor John John preached, one, I pray that it would stick so deep into the foundation of our being, that we would have that message that in spite of what we go through, that God is still making a way. He's still covering us. He still loves us. And God, for someone who feels discouraged because they feel like, man, I'm just going through so much, the Lord has forgotten them. Lord, I pray that this message this morning would remind them that you have not forgotten them, that you remember, even in their pain, what they're going through, Lord. God, we bless this service and all that you've done. We pray that the word wouldn't be taken by any doubt or faithlessness or the enemy or discouragement, but that God, it'll seep deep in our hearts, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.